Amit, my next guest, Malin, while working on this. On holiday swap KZN in a once-off special, we meet six South African celebrities who are swapped out amongst themselves for an out-of-the-ordinary experience. Smile, do it again. Let's go again. I always play all the time with win. All I can say is that made the best men win. Join me, Nomsa Mombata, for a holiday experience of a lifetime in KZN. When working with people for 19 days straight on a shoot, two things happen. You either don't like them or you get to love them as friends. My next guest is one of those that I came to love. Hello, Maisie, how are Hello, lucky me. Was it really 19 days? I remember it was long, but wow, 19 days. 19 yes. days, holiday, sort, KZN. Cholasi, hello, KZN, fall. Yes. <laughs> on that job, I was busy doing two roles. I was doing chaperone on location. And then post, uh, post-production, I obviously was one of the editors um, editing the show. You yourself had two different, you wore two different hats on that show also yourself. What was it? Uh, I was taking care of Nomzamo. Uh, I was her makeup artist and I was also her stylist. So yeah, they got a two for one. But it seems that that's my speciality. That's the thing I was just going to say now, as long as since meeting you then, and, and every time I see you on different shows, um, it's more than you being either a makeup person or a wardrobe person, because you always tend to walk around with both. I always see you with your little suitcase, with the frach clothes, and you're always like, <laughs> I'm coming now, coming now, I must quickly go do that. That's what I see. So what, if you were to describe, give yourself a title, because you know, in our industry, we have our directors, every, and everybody knows when you say director, line producer, we know, everybody knows what they do, you know? But what would be your title? Because you, you just don't do one thing at a time. So at the moment, uh, I'm head of makeup, wardrobe and hair because what I've done Siraj is I've actually registered my company my company is called Golden Merlin I haven't marketed it much because we did our homework first we first learned how to work and you're probably too busy working (laughs) exactly you know that's why people are like when are we getting t-shirts I'm like no we're chowing this money we're not buying t-shirts yet you know so um, what I do now, so I've registered the company, very exciting, because I saw there was a need for like that middle person um, to run like how it looks in the makeup, wardrobe and hair department. So what I saw in the beginning was like they had a small rate for a small team. But for me, it was about getting the production to work in the makeup, wardrobe, and hair department. So then I registered a company, and now it's my responsibility to make sure that the team is big enough. So there was a need for makeup artists, um, wardrobe assistants, hairstylists to work. So I was like, okay, if I get my money on that rate, I can chop it up the way I want to. I take care of the needs of the production and I'm also able to provide employment for people. You know, so people will be like, we want four makeup artists, but they forget that there needs to be a standby at the door before talents go in. Mm-hmm. So those, I, I started being very 
solution orientated. Mm -mm. Well, so just, to, just to give people a sense of, of, I mean, of when you say teams and stuff, because um, I remember you managed the teams on almost all the voices, the English, what's it, South Africa, all of it? Was it, or was just yeah. the, so the... It was Africa, it was um, Angola, it was uh, Francophone that we're doing now as well. Wow. And it was also Nigeria. But now just, just, just give the people a sense, like, for, let's do the voice. So besides the, the, the coaches, looking after the coaches, you would, would you be doing all the contestants uh, that goes onto stage? So what happens for us is a production company will call me. They will tell me, this is the show that we're doing. If it's a first season of a show, I will go and investigate that show. Say, for instance, let's give an example. It's The Voice. So I will watch how they do it in other countries. I will watch the format of the show. And then I will obviously come up with my own African solutions. Because what happens for us is, um, so then I will get them a team for wardrobe, a team for makeup, and a team for hair. I will organize the logistics of how the the back rooms look like the dressing rooms the makeup room i will buy all the makeup that we need for the show and then i will look at what are the personal issues on the show like that personal issues of a show like if it's contestants coming or talent coming from another country you need to take care of their personal needs sometimes another country comes in and in their country they don't shave their leg hair so I will be like, listen, guys, we need to shave your leg. And then some of the girls might even have chest hair. And then you'll be like, listen, we need to take off your chest hair because now you're going to be on an international yeah, stage where those things are not acceptable. So it is really dealing with the hearts of people. So how do you um, be sensitive about, like you just said now, you, uh, you're going to have to remove your hairs, you know, stuff like that. How do you do that? I'm actually naturally a very compassionate and sensitive person. Well, you always so have the biggest just... smiles on, on set. That's the one <laughs> thing that's so attractive. It's like that warm smile. Yeah, you know, I grew, up, I grew up with a grandmother that was, you know, you could dress however you want. You could, you could express yourself however you want, but you had to have manners and you had to take care of each other. So that carried me well within my jobs because sometimes I think, yeah, they're taking me because I'm nice. But that's that that's cool, you know, as long as the job calls come in. But so um, we never force anybody to do anything that they do not want to do. So we will suggest, we will make recommendations, and then we will um, go around things. Like, for instance, if a girl doesn't want to take her leg off, we will give them stockings to wear, you know. So we just take care of, we just take care of how things um work backstage well and also what i found amazing like when we did uh, the francophone one also stuff like um you know my you know like if i think of french people now obviously my reference is uh frogs and french people like to wear males like to wear scarves and i, I like and i noticed how you were styling the people in such a way that a balance between the, the rich colors and of, of africa and with the what's it that stylishness of scarves and stuff? So, so there's you have to put a lot of work in in, in deciding those things also. When when you when you're doing makeup or when you're doing wardrobe, you or when you're doing hair, you always have to be up to date with what is pop culture. 
So you have to understand people. You have to understand what they understand. Because if they're going to have a preference, you cannot always tell them no. So you have to understand and then you have to convey to them. Like you have to really be forward thinking of the end result. But you have to make people happy. You know, mm. that for me, that is the most important thing. People must be comfortable and they must be happy. And they have to understand that you care. So you have to make them trust you. You know, so it's not just you come to work and you throw something on somebody. You really have to get your alignment in order. No, I, I can understand because also it affects their confidence, which then affects their performance. And I mean, you don't want somebody to stand on the stage and say, I can't sing because Malvin made me yeah. dress. It is a huge responsibility. You have to be conscious. You yourself have to be a conscious being. That's why I do a lot of meditation. I do a lot of affirmation, you know, because I know I work with people and I want it to be bigger than just a makeup and wardrobe job. I want it to be like so divine. I want the divine to How intervene. are you dealing now? I mean, you are hugger. Me and you, we are huggers. Whenever we see each other, I was and you know, how are you dealing now with COVID? I mean, now with the new COVID regulations, it's about uh, the requirements for you and your department is hectic when it comes to makeup. Um, can you just quickly give us a sense of what are those new changes and how it's affected you doing what you do and your team? My, yeah, my team and I actually recently went for COVID test. Um, thank God that we were able to do that to just check um, if we are, if we have the virus or not. Is Lucky this going to be something not, that you're going to have to do regularly or is it just once off? And it, is, it is something that I'm really thinking about, you know, because we have a responsibility to take care of people. So we do take the necessary precautions. We wear our masks, we sanitize, we over-sanitize. We have a lot of disposables now. We've got things that we spray chairs down with, equipment that we're working with, and we make sure that we do not contaminate people. And brushes so, and stuff? Yeah, so we make sure, like, now we're just coming off a production where even for touch-ups, we would label the person's name on the brush. We would keep everybody's things in individual bags, and then we just take extra precautions on things like that. But does so, it, so, so, but doesn't that have an extra extra cost implication? Because in, we all know budgets doesn't in South African TV budgets don't become bigger always, you know. Uh, and and yeah. and like you so, said, a, a cost, then you're gonna have to make magic so that you know you firstly you yeah. make money and pay everybody and have the product. Yes, that's a big factor. But you know, I don't operate in my company with scarcity. So I believe what you give out is what you give back. You know, I have a very, like my mind with money and what I put into my company is very, I'm very open-minded, you know. Um, I'm very open-minded because I think it transcends into everything that you do, you know. So no scarcity. I mean, even the girls, the girls that work with me, I'm like, we need to talk positive, positive about money. We need to be open-minded. And that's how I deal with my business as well. So... Um, COVID has definitely impacted how we have to, um, our kids have to have, our makeup kits and our hair kits and our wardrobe kits have to have additional things. Um, it is possible to work it in the cost, but as I said, is what you give out is what you give back. How does a, girl, a lady that grew up in 
Oudsoorin uh, get to work in our TV industry? What was the journey between that Oudsoorin in Cape Town and working in the TV industry uh, in, in Johannesburg? So what happened is I, I went to study makeup and um, I just went for any single job that they called me for. And I worked with my strengths. Eh? You know, my strength, smiling, hardworking. I said yes to any rate. I just wanted to get that experience. And then when I get on set, I make sure that I take care of people. And somebody actually recognized me and they were like, the next big job, you're going to go with us. Is this the Cape or Joburg? This was in Johannesburg. So um, I, I obviously went to work on a job for a low rate, but somebody recognized that I was really um, skillful and helpful. And they were like, on our next big job, you're gonna come with us. Next big job was Survivor. And it just led me to get one big name after the other. And that's how I made it in the industry. I never had to, I never assisted anybody. I just, my last job, was my best job and that's how I rolled. Well, that's our industry now. We're only as good, no matter how many years in the business, but you're only as good as your last job. Absolutely, so, absolutely. With COVID, everything shut down. And now with things, with level two, um, things are starting to, to you know, come alive again. How busy have you been? Because I know you've always been very busy when I see you working on two to three shows at the same time with your, your different teams. So how's it, the, the, how's it started now for you uh, post or well, level one rather? Today I'm on six teams while I'm talking to you. <laughs> see, that, that's, what I, that's how I know you. Pisa. So um, I made a, uh, we, we were off for like 60 days and then we came back and then everybody just started shooting. So my game had to change, you know, I, I couldn't say no to any of the jobs because I'm also responsible for the makeup artists that work for me. So what I do is 100% commitment to six teams. So basically I make sure that they have the adequate um, teams on sets and that I make sure that I resolve every, any problem that comes there or, you know, I overcompensate for not being there. But um, it's still like that for me. I will always have um, multiple shows because like, uh... that's how I've set my up now. And also I make sure that I'm totally committed. But what I do now is there were a lot of times that I was on shows and just taking care of the shows, but it will have enough team members. So now what I do is I make sure that my own department is handled, you know? So if there's any admin that needs to be done, I make sure that it's on point. If there is any, um, you know, if there's things that we can do better, I make sure that I do that so, better. But so part of these responsibilities, just, you know, because I'm just thinking, I'm like I'm having these flashes of you um, running around. Because the thing is, you run around. I always see you throwing clothes into a car and you tell me, I come now, I can go, I can, I can, and then you poof in the car with clothes. So that means you need, um, you need to source the different looks for the different shows. I mean, that must be time consuming. It's very time consuming. So what happens for me is if a production gets me for wardrobe, makeup and hair. So what I will do is I will look for the brief for the show. And then what I will do is they will obviously give me pre-production. 
But if I see, no, this is what the stage colors are looking at. This is what that people would look better at. I will, on the show, go and make exchanges and see the backgrounds look like this. I can do this better. I will quickly run. I will change that wardrobe. When we're doing the second episode this afternoon, I will already have like <laughs> something that is so on point that will go in with a backdrop that will go, that will have even a better brief, a better look. I will then see, oh, this is what the person's body type actually is, you know. This Compared to the photo person, that was taken 10 years yes, ago. <laughs> I will go and change that thing. I'll tell them I'll be back right now and I will just conceptualize it according to what it feels and look like and what that person's personality is like. And that's how I work, you know. I, even till the last day of the shoot, I will still make changes just because I think something can be better. But that's so, how I work. And then, but you also within your personal life, I mean, I'm, like anybody that doesn't know you is listening to this interview will go, wow, this lady has an amazing life. But so easily you could, you, 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 got, you fell into a trap while growing up. I, I can't remember exactly what part of your age you fell into the trap of drug abuse. And, and so easily you, 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 you might not have had this life of, of, of yeah. what the, the life that you have now. Can you touch, share with us that what happened and, and the journey out from it? Yeah, I was about 23 years old when I was totally unconscious and I came into contact with drugs and um, I'd never drank before that, you know? So intoxication for me was just the things that I saw. And I was like, I swear I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna drink because I didn't want to be a statistic. Um, but I was in a state of unconsciousness. I was suffering from a heartbreak and then drugs. Uh, I was coming into contact with drugs and then I started experimenting with it. And then before you know it, I was a fully fledged heroin addict. Um, my days were totally unproductive. And then all I did for five years was I was using heroin. I was obviously extremely physically addicted. Um, the physical addiction is, because what happens for you is you start using it and then your brain chemicals totally change and then you get physically addicted to it. Physical addiction, the withdrawal, what's keeping you there a lot is the fact that your brain cells have changed and then the physical addiction is so hard to kick. Because if you do not smoke, for me it was every four hours, you will get hot and cold, your joints will pain, your kidneys will pain, your muscles will pain, and for the pain to stop, you literally have to take a hit. So I was in that cycle of active addiction for five years. Um, what a life, what a life. And I was on my own at the time. None of my family members knew. Uh, I've disclosed it to some of my friends. I obviously started using with friends and then I just went into total isolation where nobody knew what I was doing, where I was, and I was just using drugs. Uh, I also, I was working while I was using drugs, you know, so. And it didn't, uh, did it affect you on set? At now? And if uh, it is, how? People didn't know that I was on drugs, you know, I was, um, very sleek or so I thought I was very sleek I mean there was one day that I was literally where we were shooting at a rehab and I was in the toilet using drugs so what a contrast what a life you know and I can really thank God that there was like 
um, nobody actually caught me at work, you know. Because your, your reputation would have been... You, been this, at stake. This, our industry is brutal in the sense that it's, yeah. when you, 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 some, you like, sometimes we are lucky like meeting each other and in the production where people like Tammy, Warren, amazing, Nikki, these amazing people that wherever we work on whatever shoots we go next, we, we tend to work as a family and make sure the same people are there. But so easily when you do something wrong, then you are nobody's yeah. team. Yeah. Absolutely. So I was, I, I thank my lucky stars that I could um, survive basically, you and know. How did you, and how did you get out of it? This is how it happened for me, right? So I had gone down and I told my mom, listen, I am an addict and um, I'm going to go to rehab. And then I was scheduled to go on a specific day. So on that specific day that I was supposed to to go, they were like, no, 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 you have to wait another week. And I was like, oh my gosh, my drugs are gonna finish. So, and then I'm gonna be home and I'm gonna be in total withdrawal. So yeah. uh, my drugs eventually finished. So I told a friend of mine, listen, send something home for me. Just take my album with like my pictures of my makeup work and put some drugs for me in put it on the bus and then tell them this need to get to like Oatsaran. So I'm in my grandmother's house in full withdrawal. I'm throwing up, I'm hot and cold. My parents are looking at me like, what is going on over here? And I'm like, this is what happens when I'm not using. So my friend actually, so because I scheduled her to send the drugs when my drugs are gonna finish, then my friend phoned me, she's like, damn, I just missed the bus. I'm like, from tonight, I'm gonna to have the worst withdrawal. I need my drugs here. So that whole day I had to withdraw. So I told my parents, this is what happens when I don't have my drugs. So I told my father, listen, we need to go fetch this album at the bus stop. My father goes with me. And then when I get to my grandmother's house, I go and smoke quickly. And I walk out of the bathroom, like nothing is wrong. And I told my mom, listen, my mom is like, but no and I'm like, no, I just smoked, you know? So I was like, this is what happens when I don't use my drugs. So mm -hmm. anyway, that happened and then I go to rehab. So when I get to rehab, I smoke my last hit like at the garage just before I hit rehab. So as I'm coming in, they're asking me, so how long have you been in the hospital to detox? So I was like, no, I never detoxed, you know? So they're like, because this isn't a medical facility. This is a treatment center, which means that you cannot come in here and have withdrawal because they're there's no, nurse. yes, that's going to be taking care of you. And I was like, I'm going in. I don't care. I'm just going in. So I went in 11 o'clock the evening. My withdrawal started. My first week of rehab, I was walking with a emmer, puking, sure. but puking hot and cold at night not sleeping you know and everybody who's been there was detoxed you know but I just so basically I called turkey in rehab and that was my story and then I mean now are you are you what why do you call it sober clean I'm clean for 15 it's round about 15 years that I'm clean now wow. and so wow. never thought of going back um understanding that that was something that was in my path 
and you openly you 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 openly share this because this is the one thing I find amazing with you is the fact that I get a sense that you share your story so that it can be you're not a preacher preaching to people but you are you you, I I mean when I met you and we, we connected and you share this with me and it's like wow this is powerful, you know, because um, we always hide our our yeah. vices, you know, and 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 if it affects us, it affects our families, and and your story could be the 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 story that helps somebody else on their journey to make the right decision. So, wow, I mean, it's it's mind blowing. Yeah, I think like people always want to show the end result. I'm this successful person, and I think. We, everybody is challenged. And I think what we need to show each other is how we get up from the challenges. That's the link that's missing, you know, sharing and not preaching. And then you just being that beacon of positivity, you know? So, cause everybody goes through a challenge. So, Nobody yeah, yeah. Moving to, I think it's last year or the year before, you had to learn a new skill of how to wash yourself using a cup. <laughs> What's it about a cup amount of water in preparation for conquering a mountain? Please tell us about that experience and obviously climbing as a Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro, yes, highest freestanding mountain. Yes. So what happened is when I turned 40, so I started um, getting into fitness at about 36 because I was like, okay. Now it's time to get into fitness. So started getting into fitness and I was like, what am I going to do with all this fitness? So I was like, when I'm 40 years old, I'm going to climb Kilimanjaro. So when my 40th birthday came, I decided to go. I started to do some research and I was like, yes, the mountain it's going to be. So a friend of mine and I, we decided to go together. And then, wow, what an amazing experience. It took us six days to get up. Um, every day you you have no so whether you fit or not fit you really do not know what the altitude is going to do to you Mm. so my first days was super easy super easy I was walking I felt fit enough to walk but now um, you have to acclimatize every step that you're going you're walking super slow and I was really feeling fit the first few days so when you start off it's like kind of like tropical it's still a bit warm there's light rains you just feel like the island life which I love and then as you're going up it gets colder the air gets less and then that's when the challenge starts you know um because you don't know what's going to happen to you so on day five, day six, now they're telling you tonight we're going to summer. So they wake you up. You start having your dinner at like nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night. They feed you a whole lot of carbs, a, ho- a whole lot of pancakes. And now I'm like, okay, tonight I'm going to summer. Sister, we love you. <laughs> There's a woman porter. So we're walking from 10 o'clock, walking from 10 o'clock. But the morning, 11 o'clock, when we reached the last base camp. Oh, wait, so, like, you're, so you're walking through the night? So yes, you're walking through the night. So what happens is the morning before the night of summit, 
I'm seeing them coming down with these people that they're holding one on the one side, one on the other side. And I'm like, why are they holding them like that? It's 11 o'clock already. They must have summited last night. Wow, what is happening to them? But as we're walking, we discovered that we're only going to summit tomorrow morning around six or seven. So the night goes as follows. We go up. It starts getting colder. We're feeling a bit of snow. And now the air is getting thinner. So at about midnight, I can, it felt like I could touch this, the stars, you know. Um, we swallowed our last um, medication to help us with uh, climatizing, you know. I eat an energy bar. After that, I start feeling that my heart is beating faster. And I'm telling them, guys, my heart is beating faster. Am I okay? And they're telling me, no, you're fine. You're okay. To me, it feels like I cannot, my heart can't beat by itself. And then I start breathing, but I'm hallucinating this whole time. <gasps> I start breathing for my heart to beat properly. Then I start talking to my great-grandmother. Oh, ma, oh, ma. You know, I start calling for my great-grandmother. I started calling for another friend of mine who has but passed. But don't the people around you start going, oh, maybe she's, she shouldn't go up or further? How does no, they no you're fine that's when i realized that i'm hallucinating you know so they're like no you're okay you're okay start calling for my grandmother but i'm walking i'm walking and then i'm now thinking that i'm breathing for my heart to beat that's how i'm hallucinating breathing for my heart to beat and then as we were 100 meters away from summiting i just said guys i need to number two after I did my number, I said, somebody pull down my pants, pull down my pants. I need yeah, number two. the worst like, place on the planet to take a shit. They're like, you need to turn off your headlights. People are going to see you. I'm like, no, these people are not here for me. They're here for themselves. And I'm sure they're also suffering like me. <laughs> After I do my heartbeat is normal. I'm like, guys, why didn't you tell me that I need to number two? My heartbeat is normal. And then I just see the summit and I was like, okay. Now I'm gonna summit. I am summiting at Huru, the highest freestanding peak in Africa. So grateful, so humble. But what happens? They keep you for 10 minutes only at the summit. You take your picture, then they pull you down. Why? So, I mean, you just first you walk so take long to get up there just for 10 minutes. Because it is dangerous up there. There is no air and we do not know what's going to happen. To and they don't bodies. give you oxygen. They do not give you oxygen. So then they, somebody takes you here, somebody else takes you here, and they run down the mountain with you for about three hours. But when the, after that three hours, wait, wait, you wait, basically... Wait, 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 wait. You say, okay, you're using words like run down the mountain. What do you mean by run down the mountain? One takes you here, the other one takes you here, and they literally start running with you to get you off as quick as possible. So that that's is what, what you we saw, saw when you, that people... <laughs> Yes. Oh my that God. Is what you and they didn't tell you the stuff before going up. They didn't tell you the stuff. And at that time, I was feeling so sick. You just feel like sick. You know, you've got sunburn all around you. The skin was literally coming off my, of my face and you are just physically depleted. But, but after that, after that three hours of running down with you, you only have one hour 
Then you're walking another six hours down to your final base camp. Yo, the altitude sickness was hitting me so bad. I was on every stone that I could find. I'm just like, I was just laughing and resting and I was just totally depleted. But okay, wait, 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 wait. You know, um, okay, this is not confusing for me because for my 40th, Mishka took me up uh, Table Mountain for the first time. I'm yes. a Capetonian that went onto Table Mountain only at the age of 40. I know people like yeah. you mad. I got <laughs> there and I was five minutes up there and I was already going, uh, is this it? Can we go? And she got upset with me that I wanted to do, leave as soon as I got to the top. Uh, and then I actually took the time just to look and, ex- and enjoy the view. So you didn't even get to really enjoy the view. What memory do you have of the view? It was, you know, when you are beyond the clouds, because you don't only just see it when you're summiting, you're seeing it on your journey. And that is one of the, that is one of the lessons that I learned about climbing Kilimanjaro. It was all about the journey. Everything was about the journey. So as we walked, just before we summited, there was snow. You were literally walking above the clouds. You could see the the world just underneath you, you know? So that's what it is. Prepping for every big thing. Now that made me conscious of like, just um, appreciating the journey. I, I fully understand it because I mean, part of your daily job also is, is, is when you, you know, like, you know, the, for outsiders looking into our industry, they will see you with Nunzamo, they would see you with the, these um, celebrities, these actors, that everybody want to, you know, like they want to uh, be like. And then you are dealing with these personalities, egos, and your life journey must play such a big role in how you're dealing with these people. So you don't get caught up in, in what's the word? Um, you know, this whole ego trip, because so easily you could also be caught up, uh, you know, going socializing, always Instagram and, you know, you were this one with that one because all your, the presenters that you worked with, the people in front of camera always loves you. I mean, everybody, with everybody that has ever worked with you was like, ah, oh, there's Malin, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I stay, I'm very much about my authentic self. There's places where my vibration is so high and then there's places where my vibration is like, no. So I've realized that. I stay in my lane a lot. So I know what works for me. And I know my spirituality is very important for me. It's like one of the most important things. For me to be authentic is one of the most important things. I operate in love only. Even as a boss, I am very gentle. I'm very authentic because I operate in love. So how I deal with my teams also, how I deal with people, it's always with love. So I understand that the calm life, the meditation life, that is my foundation. That is the basic and that's how I operate. So it works for me. I vibrate much better if I'm like that. So that's why for me being myself is, yeah. How do people become part of your team? So what happens for me is I totally believe in alignment. So I can't, there's no one I can block. You know, I can only give people opportunities. Sometimes I can only inspire them. Sometimes I can only give them a kind word. So there is nobody that comes 
in my vibration and not live better. I make sure that there is something that I can give people. Sometimes it's only a works, a word. Sometimes you can't give somebody a job, but you can inspire them. So um, that is the level of what I can give people. But so as I was saying, I, be, I truly believe in alignment. So how I choose my team is, you know, I had to really look at my business model because before I was just taking anybody that would call me, you know? So mm. now I'm more like who is in aligned with how we do our business and our business, our core business is actually caring when it comes to the service that we provide. I also love working with people that's into self-development because I believe that if people are good within themselves, they are good for a company, you know? So, because it's not only one-sided, it's a two-way thing. So um, I'm very, I still respond to people, like when people contact me on my Instagram and stuff like that. But then it's just about alignment. What is happening in that space and in that time and who's calling me at the time mm. that is right for us to connect in a certain way. So obviously you are active on Instagram. Do you want to just tell people what you handle um, so that they can connect with you or rather have a, a window into your world? Yes, uh, I am M-E-R-L-E-N-E -E Williams. So it's Merlene Williams uh, on Instagram and my Facebook is Merlene Williams as well. Merlene, thank you so much for this exchange of positive vibrations. Uh, you know, um, you are such an amazing woman. Um, you know, I, I love being in your company. My wife loves, you know, like the little glimpses that, uh, when, when our paths cross, it's always like, your oh, Malin's got such a liquor energy. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for, for agreeing to be uh, on my show. Um, like I explained to you, the show is about sharing our experiences, the people behind the, the, the cameras um, that's been working in our industry for so many years. And so thank you so much for sharing your amazing I must stop using the word amazing, but your <laughs> personal journey, your ups and downs. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm so grateful that you're having this platform because, you know, as pioneers of the type of jobs that we do is sometimes we even have to go to companies to explain what we do. So every little drop in the ocean actually counts. So I have to say thank you to you because we're also still working on how we explain what it is that we do. So thank you so much to well, you. Well, you can just send him a link. It's a dip. Watch the. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye.